Hi, I'm Julia, and welcome to the Soothing Voices podcast. I'm here with one of my closest friends, Dr. Delitzo Rowe. Hi, how are you? Hey, 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 you, you. I am doing well. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for being here. I'm great. Um, just, you know, figuring out this whole podcast situation, but I'm good. Um, so today's episode, we're going to talk about mentorship. Um, it was inspired because, well, we went to college together and one of the, and we also share a mentor, but then you also wrote a really great article that I read recently about mentorship and the power of mentorship. And so I just wanted to know a little bit about that. Well, first tell us why you're here. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for having me on the Soothing Voice podcast. Uh, I am here because I don't know if I have a soothing voice. So by the end of the session, <laughs> we should be able to figure out. Um, but no, I mean, I think I'm always I'm always grateful to be able to share space and communication with you. So uh, I'm here to learn and, and offer some ideas. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And um, so we talk, tell me a little bit about this article that you wrote. Um, it's a really great article. So tell us about your mentorship. You know, journey. yeah, you know, so funny enough, right? Like the 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 name of so the name of the the company, at least what they're calling themselves, or the collective, is Revealing Voices. So on the Student mm. Voice podcast, so I'm literally just thinking about that. And so part of <clears throat> Part of what they've been doing, a bunch of philosophers at Duke University, uh, predominantly women, have been trying to rewrite the narrative of philosophy as merely a male-dominated field, right? And so they're trying to make a case, which is, it's not even, there's no need to make a case because it's a fact, right? Women have always been philosophical in their investigations about the world, even in their writings and living. So I, somebody from there reached out to me. Um, I just finished doing a postdoc um, at the University of Guelph here in Canada. And so they reached out to me because of the research I was doing, and they asked me to write a blog about the type of research I do. But instead of writing about the blog in terms of research, I thought about writing about people who have helped shape my career. And I wish I could write a longer piece, but you know, it was like a short piece in terms of like, you know, how I became who I was and what I think philosophy is in terms of being a community. So I was thinking about the different voices that have influenced me to become a philosopher academically, right? So I think I write about my dad, <clears throat> his journey to be a novelist. He had published, he's published about three novels. I talk a little bit about what it meant to be in a house, you know, and a teenager looking at your father, you know, going to the library, picking up books, debating with you about history and also watching him turn history into a narrative, a fictional story. Um, I write a little bit about... One of my other mentors at Fresno, um, he was a visiting professor at that time, and I think I walked into a class. He was teaching a class on like hip hop philosophy, and I was like amazed that hip hop rappers could be considered philosophers. And so it was an interesting class. He was teaching a class on Jay Z and Plato, or a Western thinker, and that was fascinating to me. Um, and then I got recruited uh, to go to Texas A&M. At that time, he was an emerging scholar. Now he's a distinguished professor, you know, bright guy. And so I write about what it meant to be influenced by him. So, you know, in, in some senses, I was giving flowers to a few people who have helped me become a philosopher on my journey, um, just, you know, amplify their voices as much as 
people asking me in different spaces to talk about myself. So in the article, <clears throat> you also talk about how your mentor made you read 100 books. Tell yeah. us about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, the, the, so I was auditing his class, and it was like one of those experiences where for like 50 minutes I watched this man, like he moved from like Western literature, African-American literature. He was talking, you know, African-American vernacular English. He's using all these idioms, and I was amazed. I'm like, yo, in 50 minutes, this dude's doing crazy homolytics, right? He's moving and talking in a way that's engaging and captivating. And so when the lecture was done, <clears throat> I was really brazen. I was like, yo, what's the difference between a preacher and a pimp? And he goes, nothing. <laughs> I was like, oh, hell, this is about to be my mentor. <laughs> I was like, this dude here. So I walked down there, you know, students obviously taking stuff from him. And I, I asked him just right out in front of everybody. He's like, yo, you know, I really enjoy what you do and I want to do what you do. And it was the first time I ever saw myself and saw somebody who I was like, damn, if he could do that, I could do that. And so I walked up to him and I asked him, "Is like, you know, could you be my mentor? And he looked at me and said, yeah, I mean, if you want me to mentor you, you're going to have to read 100 books. I'm like, why? He goes, well, that's what my mentor, Cornell West, did for me when I was studying with him at Harvard. So he made me read 100 books, and each time I would meet with him, I would be giving him a report about the books I was reading. So at that time, I was like, I mean, shit, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. So since then, you know, he put me on a roadmap to be deep in the books, and, you know, that really helped me through graduate school and even now as a professor. Um, so, yeah, that, that experience has been instrumental to a lot of things. That's really amazing. I remember when we were in the library in college, and I remember watching you read a bunch of books. And I'm just like, he has a book all the time, just reading a bunch of books at the same time. And I know that you shared a couple books with me. Um, I'm trying to think if I still have any. No, I don't have any of your books anymore. But I remember reading, I mean, a lot of books with you. Uh, let's see. There's Pimp by Iceberg Slim. We read that one. <laughs> um, clear language that was one of my favorites I, I still have that book um, and then I'm trying to think what other books we read well that I read um, the Meyer Lansky book that one was a good one too that I actually purchased recently um, but yeah it's interesting how he made you read a hundred books and just like kind of like you have to in order to be worthy of my mentor mentorship, you have to like prove to me that you can, you know, that you can, that, that you have the commitment to this mentorship relationship. And I think that that's really important because, because some mentors, they'll say, yes, I will be your mentor. Um, and then others like your mentor, they, they challenge you. And I feel like, um, there's this book called Mastery by Robert Greene that I love reading. And he talks about the um, um, the Renaissance. I forget what he says, but it's like the apprenticeship system in yeah. during the Renaissance and how um, different uh, artists would men would would apprentice under a master. and they had to do their master work. And it was like a seven-year commitment to this master. And then you had to prove that you could be a master yourself. And so I feel like sometimes people don't take that into consideration, that a mentor can really develop you. And they forget that that's how what college was designed to do, was to make you a master. I mean, you have, you have a PhD. You have like the highest degree within the, within the academic system. And so... 
Um, and so now when you mentor students, what is your process like? Do you make them your hundred percent? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's part of the same process, right? Like, I mean, we both have been fortunate to have mentors who have done amazing stuff. So when people like that of that caliber take time to sit down with you, I think it's only right to take that seriously because, you know, they could be doing a lot more things with their time. So I think a lot of that was just trying to learn how to be a better person and seeing how people you admire can show you the behind the scenes type of work, right? Like, you know, one of the things I appreciated, for example, with my mentor, the, the philosopher was like, he demystified for me what it meant to be a black man in academia, right? Like, it was the first time I could be personable with a professor where I could ask life questions. Or even him just telling me, like, you know, I got here because Cornell West told me to read 100 books, right? And that process was really humbling for me to the point in my own mentorship. It's a similar process, right? Like, you try to learn to, you know, show if I have a mentee, I try to show the good and the bad of what it means to be this, right? Like, if you want to be a professor, there are things like this. I moved to Canada by myself, right, because of a job. You know, the things you got to ask yourself in terms of that commitment um, and the isolation that comes with that. You know, you're alone for a long time. Um, you know, you're always in community. But I think it became a process about humanizing achievements, right? Like, a lot of times we want to show people the end result, not the process, Right. And so I think that was the most humbling thing for me was to see somebody behind the scenes show you day by day what it takes. You know, he would take me to, you know, to give speeches with him. You know, I remember one time he had gone to a prison to go talk. We go into the prison. He introduces himself and then he goes, well, Delitzo's going to talk to you for 50 minutes. And he oh. sits down. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? I'm like, so, so now I'm like. On my feet, right? I have 50 minutes. And these brothers are looking at me like, um, you're not, you know. So I'm like, I have to perform, right? And obviously, I try my best. And when I was done, he was like, I'm proud of you. You know, the brothers came up. They were like, yo, you really did your thing. And I asked him, I was like, well, why did you do what he did? It's like, yo, to do this type of work, you always have to be prepared. You never know when you're caught to do and perform the knowledge you have, right? So that was an important thing for me where I was like, man, I always have to be about my knowledge and my craft because in any given situation, right, like it could be conversations with people or, you know, impromptu lectures are, are asked you by you. So that was a sort of process in learning, like, yo, this dude takes his stuff seriously where, like, at any given moment he can create a lecture on the spot, right? Like, and he was telling me that that's what it takes. You could be in a classroom with students, you prepare notes for one thing, and you realize the students haven't read any of that. So now you mm. have to really on the spot create stuff. And that's been helpful for me so many times in the classroom where I'm like, all right, I'll scratch out my lecture from last night. We're just going to create a whole new lecture. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to create lectures like right on the spot for students. And they're always amazed, but they're like, no, this is work, right? Like it took me years to learn how to be able to say, all right, I'm just going to go off the cuff. And I mean, somebody like, for example, Jay-Z almost says a similar thing about getting into the booth and writing, not writing but it's that he's built a habit over the years because he's written so much and memorized so many stuff that at any moment he can walk into a booth and freestyle, right? And so, so that process of learning how to show people uh, the back end, the work and the journey it takes, right? Like it's a constant process of learning new skills um, and being open to new challenges. So I think when I've had the opportunity to mentor people, it's the similar thing I try to show, like 
you know, don't fall in love so much with the accolades. Like, you really have to understand the work ethic that comes in with this type of journey. I love that. That's what exactly what I was thinking about when you were talking about how he just told you he's, uh, you know, your mentor said he's going to he's going to give you a lecture on the prison. It reminded me of like somebody telling you like freestyle, your turn, let's go. (laughs) Which makes me think about, um, so for example, I was talking to my friend the other day and I was thinking about, and it's hard to bring up Dave Chappelle, but Dave Chappelle's mother, she has a PhD. Uh, She's a professor, right? And then I think she was a professor. And then Kanye's mother was also a professor, Mm -hmm. PhD as well. And I think that in their work, I'm I'm only speaking about um, their work, not the specifics of their work. Um, I think that they learned so much from their mothers. And I feel like in many ways, their work is an extension of their mother's work. It's like they're professors, but they're doing it in a different medium. They're, you know, one's a comedian and the other is an artist. And I feel a a musical artist. And I feel like in many ways, like a comedian and an artist and you as a professor, you have very similar um, journeys in terms of teaching people and educating people and sharing with people what you think, what you feel. And so, um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, you know, I think for all of us, right, for better or worse, like the early impressions we have from our parents shape us in different forms. Um, you know, I remember when we used to do the Lao Center stuff and we went to take aptitude test. And I remember thinking like, yo, that's crazy. Like they're, you know, families that pay so much money just to figure out what their kids' talents and gifts are. And I think when you think about people that we think are prodigies and things like that, or even just great thinkers, it's usually at an early age they were exposed to certain things, right? So like Jay will always talk about his household was full of music, right? I mean, Kanye's the same way. You have a parent that's, you know, a Black Panther, and then you have, you know, a mother who's uh, a teacher, right? An English teacher at that. So obviously it exposes him to a lot of things. Dave Chappelle, I mean, and his IQ was out there already. And then his mom, you know, so I think the way, you know, we all are forced into ideas, and it doesn't mean that, you know, there's a late stage in which other people, they don't start early, they won't become great thinkers or whatever we think is a great thinker. It's really the question, again, of that exposure to ideas. And really, that's what that challenge was in reading 100 books, right? It was really the exposure to ideas and who can you learn from. So for better or worse, we are all people who have mastered things, right? Like, as human beings, we're constantly learning. I think that's one of my favorite questions when I meet somebody. Like, I always ask them, like, what inspired you to do the thing that you do, right? Like, because invariably, I want to know, what have you mastered on your journey in life? And most times we don't think we've mastered things, but I guarantee you, you ask people like, yo, why are you passionate about what you do? Like, do you remember mm-hmm. the first time when you really got that thing like, yo, I think I could do this? It really opens up a space where you learn that like, yeah, you've actually mastered stuff. Now, other people here maybe have figured out how to get you know attention from that, so we think that they're great. But I honestly believe each of us, if we were to sit down you would really come to understand that there's something about life that you've mastered and that's uniquely yours. And that doesn't have to be tied to passion. It's just to say, as human beings, we're always learning. You know what I mean, like you're constantly learning, whether you like to believe that or not, like you're always learning. And invariably you've mastered something well enough to be able to like, you know, to do it. 
That's beautiful. I love that. I agree. I think that um, everyone has mastered something. So everyone is can always be a teacher and everyone can always be a student. And so um, it's important to know how to share that with people. Well, let's talk about this aptitude test that we took together in college. I forgot about that. I remember the, the billionaire mentor paid for like 30 students to take an aptitude test that that shit was probably like 5k or some shit for per student it was it was i remember do you remember your your school i you know i still so have my i still have my paper my paper you do yeah what that's so crazy i've been trying to find that place i can't remember the name i don't know what i do with my papers it's called oh fuck, what's it called um I'll find. I'll give it to you. I forgot, but it's. In, I remember San Francisco. I have the. I have the papers in my living room, like in the box. Wow, yo, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think that after the test was really. So what I do remember, and it's so funny because every time now I tell people this, they're like, yeah, whatever. But I remember that when we, I we took the test, the results that came back for me were like, you're good with color schemes. You could possibly own your own like. Um, printing shop and you're good with words right like you know those were my two strengths was like colors and words um and so like in grad school I was always known at every conference I went I had the most flamboyant jacket or clothes Mm. right you know so I would always tell people like yeah but and that's so crazy to think that like taking an aptitude test really kind of honed in on like oh yeah like I do like crazy colors with my my you know my my jackets, my hoodies, my t-shirts, like I tend to be very expressive in my colors. Um, but even a love for words and an affinity, right? Like as a professor now, right? Like you try to understand and even going back to some of the books we we're reading at Fresno State, right? Like how we all communicate through language and language doesn't just have to be like the phonetic things in, that come out from our mouths, but like, you know, the movements we make, body language, um, so, I mean, that really put me in a place to be really attentive to understanding how words are impactful and how they impact the way we conceive of who we are as people. Um, and, you know, in a lot of ways, it made me love ideas, right? Like, to understand, like, because when you think about colors, like, it's crazy. I mean, where did, how do we understand the different color systems, right? Like, it's a fascinating thing how the human eye is able to detect different color p- patterns and schemes. But even to make meaning of all that into something that people could be like, yo, I like your sweater or I like your Instagram. Like, we're so fascinating as a creature, uh, as a species. But that's what I do remember from the aptitude test was these, like, colors and, like, words. That's interesting. Mine was, um, I was going to be a publicist or a small business owner. That's what Look at this. And look how the world yeah. turned out. Yo, it's... I keep saying this. I want to come back on your podcast as the person interviewing you. All right? Like, okay. <laughs> I do. I want to come back because you have a lot of stories and knowledge that needs to be shared on the back end. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because I remember, so I was telling my friend the other day, so there's this word in Spanish, it's chismosa, it means gossip, but it's kind of like, um, and I say, I come from a long lineage of chismosas, of women (laughs) or people who are like gossips, because they're over here like telling, you know, just talking shit about each other and shit. And I don't talk shit about people, but um, 
I think it's funny how um, I can be a chismosa and I can like, but that's my work. That's what I do. Social media is about raising awareness for something. It's about connecting people, but that's what gossip does. It connects people together. And so it's funny how, yeah, it, it literally like could tell that I loved like social, it did, obviously back then social media wasn't a thing. So it, it found the next kind of parallel thing, which, which was publicity, but I can see why it thought. And also I think there was this one uh, question in the aptitude test where it was, um, I think it was like, it was a picture of, it was at the end, it was a picture of like, of a, of a, a lion, another animal, and a table. And then I said, oh, all those three are connected. And she goes, wow, most people don't get that. And I'm like, yeah, because they're all quadrupeds. And she was like, oh my gosh. So I got like high pattern recognition. Um, so I have like a, I love like high pattern recognition. I think, I don't know, but that's like my results were publicist and small business owner and a, oh, and a a, theor a theorist, I think it was, because I love developing theories. <laughs> yeah, so that was my. But it's really cool to have, you know, like these mentors from the from the from when we went to college. The people that, you know, he was a billionaire, but having access to these to these mentors in the business who wanted to share their knowledge with students, I felt like. Now that I think about it, now that we're talking about it now, I'm like, wow, what an invaluable experience. I learned how to be a mentee. And sometimes people don't know how to be mentored. They they might be too arrogant or they think they know everything and they don't know how to be mentored. And I feel like that's also a skill to understand how to be a mentee, not just be a mentor. Um, because... I mean, I think sometimes in our generation or even younger kids, because we have Google, we think, oh, well, we know everything. But there's a difference between knowing something and actually having the skill set for something. Because you can Google anything, but it's having those skills. And I think these mentors, they develop those skills. And I think when your mentor said, hey, read 100 books, that's a skill he wanted you to develop. Um yeah, so I feel like that's why um, that's the power of mentorship. It's 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 a person that is emotionally and professionally invested in your education or your professional development. That's going to help you develop those skills. It's like going to a personal trainer. It's the same thing. They're going to develop you. And so I think for me, the most important part of my career was having mentors. Man, no, I'm, I mean, I can't, couldn't agree more with you, right? Like like you pointed out, I mean, learning skills, like, I, you know, as an adults, I mean, those are the things we're constantly trying to figure out what skills do we have to be able to navigate adulting, you know, friends, relationships, career, um, you know, and funny enough, too, like, it's funny, I've been wondering why I'm so obsessed, and you just really put planted this picture well for me, right? Like, one of the things I think I enjoy about anime and you see this a lot in Eastern philosophies, right? Like anime always starts out with like a character who's talented and flawed, and then they need a mentor to help them achieve all those things, potential within them. And then the mentor either dies or like, you know, something happens, and then you have to go on to achieve those things. And there's a, I think there's a similar story. What was that? Uh, what book was that? A thousand, a hero, a thousand places. What was a book about the myth 
in the Western world about how uh, oh tragedy God. and I can't remember the name I of it. Just downloaded that book. Basically, there are these like motifs the about hero how we with become. with a thousand faces. Yeah, I think it was like something with a thousand faces. Um, in that in essence, it's exactly the same thing, right? Like we all become who we are in basis because somebody helps us achieve the potential within us, um, and a mentor. And done right, you know, as somebody who can help that growth and facilitate that growth by learning, teaching the skills, right? Like, I think, so that's one of the things about Naruto, for example, that becomes a popular thing, right? Like, he has nine tails in him, and all these people in the community love him and are trying to help him grow. You know, his dad was a revered sage, and his mentors are all these accomplished Hokages, and then he's trying to be Hokage. And it's that thing, right? Like, it's the, the fascinating story of watching somebody with so much potential surrounded in a community with other people who are prospering, they're pushing him to grow. You know, those things help you as a person. And I think that's one of the biggest things that our relationship was formulated in a similar way, right? Like, the skill sets you possess, the talent, the intellect. I mean, each time we would talk, we'll be trading books, information. It really helped shape us in virtue of having mentors. So I think... Yeah, I mean, the power of mentorship is always about community and having people hold space for your talents and gifts um, and being comfortable with people pushing you, right? Like, it's a constant, you know, you got to keep asking yourself, have I done enough to achieve the talents in me? No, definitely. It's interesting you talk about that because I've been thinking about this theory that I have. <laughs> yeah, the, the high theoretician in you, <laughs> look at that, yeah. Okay, so Will Smith says... The talent, there's a difference between talent and skill. Talent you have naturally, skill you develop by hours and hours and hours of beating on your craft, right? He says that. <clears throat> but um, I think that talent is the skill sets that your ancestors developed. So yeah. your yeah. parents, your grandparents, they develop skills. And then in turn, that becomes your natural talent. So you're born with that. But yeah. then you have to take those talents and develop skills so then you can pass that out down to your children. And then, then your children are born with that talent. But then in order to keep it alive or to keep growing, they have to develop skills. And I think that's kind of what, for example, um, the I think it's uh, the last airbender where mm. he's born as the avatar, mm -hmm. but he needs mentors to develop him he needs you know an air bender. he needs a water bender he needs a fire bender he needs people who have developed these skills to teach him how to because he's t naturally talented as the avatar because right. he's born the avatar but he needs to develop those skills to actually be able to access the avatar state yeah yeah no absolutely i mean like you know and those things translate in different ways in our relationships too right like in our romantic relationships and our friendships, right? Like, and that's why I think like we've been talking about, I mean, as human beings, we're constantly learning and like whether you choose to accept that as like a conscious thing or not, the world is forcing you to learn new things. I mean, we were talking last time about how, you know, think about these viral challenges. People are learning new dances and, you know, now like you're pointing out, whether you have a skill to dance is another question from doing a TikTok viral thing, right? But <laughs> The process of learning is something that's constantly happening. Um, and I think part of that is the consciousness that comes with that. Like, you know, as an instructor, one of the larger challenges is to make students aware about their learning patterns and habits, right? Like, you know, and that's what I appreciate about my mentor telling me, sit down and read 100 books. 
So, for example, most kids today can't read a book from cover to cover because of the way they're relating to information, right? Like, everything is so linear now. It's hard for them to zigzag across a page, right? Like, you want a summary, you want a wiki, WikiLeaks or Wikipedia summary as opposed to going through the process of, like, what does it mean to read from cover to cover? So as an instructor, you're faced with the challenge where you're like, all right, you need this information, but I have to show you why your learning habits may be stunting your own growth, right? Like, and you need to raise up your skill set in reading and challenge yourself to be a better reader, you know, and seek out information. But I think that's the space we're really in, you know. I have my own thing about social media, but I think every time I log on, I'm always fascinated at how people learn new vocabulary, you know, and just like the way group thinking works sometimes, whether it's for good or bad, social media is interesting to see how those things play out. Yeah, definitely. I think social media is a space where people are learning um, and they're also teaching, especially like TikTok, when talk about like dances and things like that. And I think that um, it's a great space to have communal learning and communal connecting because you can see when things go viral, um, even if it's like a product, people will go and buy that and use that. Um, and so I think it's beautiful to see how social media helps people. But then also it makes people think that things are like instantly attainable when right. it took that person many, many tries to get that skill. But they just in in their eyes, it's just a 30 second video and it took you 30 seconds. So, yeah. Well, it's 30 minutes since we've been here. I have one last question for you. Um, I know we talked about this last time. If you were an instrument, what would you be and why? I think a harmonica is something that, you know, and I, I say this, you know, because when you mm -hmm. initially asked me that question, um, I thought about it. And as a kid, I actually had one. You know, I, I remember... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like one of my favorite things. I could never play the damn thing, but I liked it. You know, I was like, so when you asked me that, I was like, wow, I mean, yeah. So you basically, you know, it took me back to my childhood and, and thinking about that space, but really trying, you know, to use your voice in, in ways that would make sense. Um, but yeah, I think that would be my instrument of choice. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating little instrument. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you doing this a second time. And next time you can come and then you can interview me. Yes, please. No, thank that you so much fun. for having me. You know I always enjoy having conversations with you. And I want to be back as the, the person interviewing you because we, we okay. need to hear your stories and the <sighs> skill sets that you've accrued over the years. You have a fascinating journey and knowledge and skill sets that needs to be shared. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, well, I will see you next time then. Good. Bye. Bye. If you have a soothing voice and you want to be on my podcast, DM me on Twitter and Instagram at soothingvoiceyg. Again, soothingvoiceyg. This episode was produced and engineered by Kendram.